I think it was a video game thing, but it could just be something that they want us all to know about levels in general. It would be cool if they had their own video game like Journey used to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the Journey. Oh, we're recording. Journey had a video game was like on Atari or something? No, dude, it was like it was like in the in television? It, no, it was like for no bullshit like in the arcades. And so like you like had to escort them like out of their concerts and stuff and there were a couple different levels and eventually you got them to like the spaceship that was on like a bunch of Journey album covers. Oh, yeah. Do you win if you like get backstage? I can't, you know, they're they were winning through. I their didn't rocking. really know who Journey. Was. I was too, <coughs> excuse me, too young to know at the time. I mean, I would, I just didn't really listen to that kind of grown up music back then. Grown up music, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't really, so I didn't really know who Journey was. But did they have like a one off? Like, in, so when you were living in the sticks, did they have like a one off? Like, kind of similar to Journey, but like a watered down version of Journey. What like called Wheels Trip? in the Sky? Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, like Wheels. Yeah, right. <laughs> All yeah, right, I guess we're getting. I guess we're recording, so we should probably get into some theme music. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm Shane. Ryan. I'm Kevin. And I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it. I'm not picking up Shane's snot rag. I said I'll get it in a minute. Okay, well that's that's important. I had I speaking of things that are fallen. We lost one. Oh, uh, we lost the music one this last week, and we're not not a not a Kleenex. No, it it was a bigger deal than a Kleenex for sure. Um, and I'm talking, of course, about Chris Cornell, uh, lead singer of Soundgarden, Soundgarden Temple of the Dog, and. Audio slave. I was gonna say maybe his his largest contribution to music, audio slave. Yeah, I I didn't realize they had three records. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, doesn't that that band name, audio slave? It kind of seems like it was computer generated. It does. You know, yeah. so like you just don't really. It's like the magic eight ball of band names. Like yeah, you just kind of well, they just mashed out. together like two pretty good bands to make something that was less than the sum of its parts. Did we learn nothing from Damn Yankees? Nothing. Apparently that is not. a that's a good <laughs> question to pose. Um, what exactly would we have learned from Dan Yankees? But Soundgarden was great. Like Soundgarden was Chris Cornell in general was great. He did some solo shit too. I mean, he was an amazing singer. I like Soundgarden quite a bit. They're of of the bands from the grunge, you know, grunge era, excepting Nirvana. Probably um, Nir- Soundgarden is my favorite. I think they y- have the Nirvana f- would be number one for me, but Soundgarden's a close second. They yeah. they they wrote some some incredible hooks and also like I mean his he was a, just a vital amazing singer. And yeah, s- and I he started saw, out. I as saw them. I saw them on the second Lollapalooza tour and like every bit as amazing live as anything they ever did in the studio. Like just fantastic. Uh, he started out as their drummer. I don't know if he was originally. I didn't know that. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he was the original singer or not. Like if he was like Man, behind the kit, like not be a singer. That's I the know. most singular voice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was sort of if he was like, um, if if it were like you know one of those things like where he was being like a Phil Collins or um, what like like somebody the Don, original singer dropped out so Don, he just started Don singing. Henley. You know, where they sang and sing and, and play drums, drums at the same, same time. time. Have you guys ever seen any of those like Eagles videos? Like, I've seen the, the um, Hotel California video where with he's Don just H- like keeping the beat and singing at the same but time. But his his incredible afro, oh, his now, bro? yeah, his yeah. bro is huge. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. Um, 
Yeah, so Chris Cornell. But yeah, man, that's that's tragic. I mean, obviously. Um, but apparently, like, his meds were kind of off or something. That's what his wife said yeah. afterwards was she thinks that his that his it was a he took too much of his medication or something. Well, and I, I went back and listened to a bunch of Soundgarden this week. And like, I mean, the clues are kind of all over the songs, too. Um, he sings about death a lot. Well, they that all kind of went part and parcel with that sort of movement movement, as it were. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think well, the thing that struck me in general was just the the breadth of the tributes. Like, um, God, who was it? I was reading today that like like Nora Jones played uh, did a cover of Black Hole Sun this week. I was like, all right. I mean, not that she couldn't, and I'm sure it was really interesting. And there's no law saying that Nora Jones can't be into Soundgarden. Yeah, no, sure. not at all. But it wouldn't have been like if you'd have given me a hat of names, it wouldn't have been the first one I would have guessed that I would have picked out. So Fair anyway, enough. just goes to show just one anecdote. But um, uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry to see him go. That was uh, definitely too soon. Too soon. Also, James Bond. Roger, oh, Moore. Yeah. Roger Moore yesterday, right? Yeah. Uh, he, he was my original James. He James was my Bond. original James Bond too. <laughs> and, and people yours? always talk about like like how no, it, 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 it no it, it I know what you're saying because it, the the James Bond that, that you first watched when you were a child that's your James Bond and over the over the course of of your that's you know like everybody no there are people who are like fiercely Sean Connery and and I'm just like Roger Moore worked just fine for me like, yeah Sean Connery was pretty great but but yeah I mean R- Roger Moore was definitely he was my first and sort of set the template. What James I, Bond I told was. my mom I was going to see a movie called Octopussy, and <laughs> she got concerned. <laughs> I always used to wonder when Thank I was. Thank like, God you never told me that until now. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. it uh, wasn't nearly as salacious as she thought. Um, yeah. It it uh, when I was a kid, there was a there was one of the actresses in in Octopussy um, w- was in Playboy, and we I can't remember who, what her name was, but that's we, closer to what my mother. Was but thinking, we but by we the way. but we found my dad's Playboy, and we like. We stole some pages out of it. I probably was like nine Man, at the time. Isn't that the funnest thing to do when you're a kid? And find you, find but, somebody's dad's playboy. Right, but then you hide. And this, I know other kids have, have done this. Like then you hide the pages in the woods, and then you go back and oh, look totally, at them. and you find and them then, underneath a floorboard and they're like abandoned yeah. barn or something. But, but then, like over like over time, like bugs start to eat holes in the paper, and it just slowly disappears. You don't even really know what you're looking at. Anyway, okay, this is like an episode of Stranger Things without the other side. Um, kind of, kind of. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, there was a, a really interesting story about a guy who ran into. He saw Roger Moore in an airport when he was a kid. Um, this popped up on Twitter today. And uh, did you hear about that? Mark's nodding. Anyway, um, I won't. I'll butcher this a little bit because I don't remember one of the characters they references. But basically, he sees Roger Moore and he's with his dad, and he's like ten or eleven. And he's like, that's that's James Bond. And so he goes over there and and, he, and his his dad or his, I guess maybe it was his granddad says who he was with. He says, um, he says, you're famous. Can you sign something? And so he signs. He's like, sure. And so he signs the back of their boarding pass or whatever. And the um, and then uh, they walk off and the guy the kid looks at the back of the boarding pass and it says Roger Moore on it. And so he's like, well, that's not, this is, this is, that's not who I thought it was. Like the guy signed the wrong name. And so anyway, so then his grandfather goes back over there and he says, well, he says that you signed the wrong name and that you're, you're not Roger Moore, you're James Bond. And so Roger Moore leans down into the kid and he's like, 
well, yeah, of course I am, but I can't like sign Bond. that name because then whatever the bad guy is, we'll know. Um, here we go. Uh, Blofeld might find out I was here. So, yeah, anyway, this story has been kind of making the rounds today. It looks like it popped up in the Independent and Mark folded up, but, um, but it was like, and then, and years later, he ran into him again as an adult and then relayed this story and Roger Moore acted like he didn't remember and probably didn't remember. And then as he was walking out, he was like, well, yeah, of course, of course I remembered, but, uh, I didn't say anything in there because of those cameramen, any of them could have been working for Blofeld. So it was always like this kind of little winking <laughs> and I'm sure he did that like a thousand times. Right. Like, but um, it's so weird to be like locked into a character like that to where it makes your daily life like have to interact with yeah. that character. I don't know. Fame is a weird thing. It is a weird thing. So we should probably talk about other things from uh, from Europe. Uh, yeah. Banned. Yeah. From notably this like week. Weirdly from Europe because they don't sound like they're from Europe. No, they don't we'll get into that. Kind of sound like. Yeah. They don't. Um, but yeah, this week was it was my uh, selection. And I chose uh, the Thin Lizzy record, Jailbreak, which is, uh, I frankly, it's funny to me because it's like, I, it feels, it's this, it sits in this weird pocket. I don't, I feel like there are tracks off this, this album that I know very well that are almost the three ubiquitous. big singles and yes. three big classic rock staples classic one, I, rock one of staples. them actually wasn't released as a single originally the cowboy song cowboy song was not released i mean as but a i know that one just as well as i know the other I one from classic rock yeah Studio. yeah but um and there's just they're just little like weird conundrums about this band but my favorite story about this band is that the weekend that michael jackson died uh allison and i were in houston and we had we'd gone down there to take in a ball game, and we had an extra night where we were just running around, hit it, bar hopping downtown or whatever. And it was literally back to back. I mean, like pretty much if you were out in any bar anywhere around that time, and they had a jukebox, it was back to back to back Michael Jackson songs, like pretty much all night long. And uh, and so it would be, you know, Bad and Billy Jean, and you name all of them, and it would go. It'd go five or ten deep, and when I'd had enough, I would go up to the jukebox and I would put in Thin Lizzy, and that was my, that was that my was Michael your, Jackson your response. To, like, your, yeah, so you you just dun 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 dun, and then it was dun dun dun, and then the whole the whole room would go sad except for my table. So <laughs> why Thin Lizzy of all bands? Cause, cause I just thought it was like the completely ramble, yeah, like the antidote to. Like uh, Michael Jackson overload. Yeah, it was the it was the uh, the calamine lotion to the bug bite that, of Michael Jackson. Songs. That reminds me of the John Mulaney story where they put all the quarters in and they just put. Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, wh- they, what was it? Like, complete the the big the what's new pussy it was cat what's joke. new pussy cat and then yeah. he played it like he played it like uh, like seven or eleven times in a row. Uh, it was seven times seven in a row. times in a row and then and then he and then he put in. Um, it's Some not unusual. T- yeah, it's not unusual. Yeah. And there was this one guy that was in the restaurant just getting madder and madder and madder every time. And then finally you could see him like, it's not unusual, came on and he relaxed. And as soon as it's over, what's new? Pussy kept comes back on. So he like goes <laughs> over and unplugs the jukebox. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, that, that is a, that's an amazing, amazing bit uh, from John Mulaney. So if you ever get it, if you haven't heard it, uh, go look it up on Does YouTube. It much better than, than I do. Well, yeah, it's his bit. He should. Yes, that's true. Um, anyway, yeah. So, so um, jailbreak. 
Yeah, so we're talking about Tonight jailbreak. there's going to be one. Which, by the way, if if you're actually going to bust out of jail, you probably shouldn't write a song. On, yeah, well, announcing the fact that tonight there will be a jailbreak. But here's the thing: if you if you listen lyrically, if you listen to the song carefully, it's a PSA. Tonight there's going to be trouble, so just steer just, clear. Yeah, like, lock yeah, your doors. Lock your doors. Yeah, you just don't. You don't want to be in around. Town. Yeah, somewhere. I mean, so, yeah, we're not I entirely mean, sure. I don't know yet. how many jails there were in that particular town, but somewhere. Well, yeah. So the trouble could so be don't anywhere. Don't you be around? Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, it's just a, it's really just a helpful reminder. If you live in the town, there's going to be trouble tonight in the town. And somewhere. You, you Somewhere. And you want to steer clear of that. Man, there's some rote fucking lyrics in this record. Um, yeah, except then you get to the very last song and it's all about like, you know, like the Irish warriors came down from the mountain. That's not what the song sounds like, but it's like Irish mythology. Or like, it sounds like fucking well, like Lord of the Rings. started as like more traditional Irish, uh, except for their lead singer is half, what is it, Guyanese or, or some shit, like uh, French Guyana. He's like uh, literally black Irish. Yes, like the actual black <laughs> Irish. Like he doesn't have just dark hair. Or that, you know, whatever. Uh, potato, potato. <laughs> but man, if you ever wanted to, if you ever wondered what it would sound like if uh, Van Morrison fronted like Leonard Skinner or... There's a lot of Almond Brothers in this record. Band. Almond Brothers, with that, or, that um, dueling like lead guitar. I mean, yeah, the Southern rock thing. I, I mean, sure, you can kind of lump them all in there, but I think you know, one of the things that I thought that has has bubbled up about this record since it's in the years since it's, it's since it's come out that I don't necessarily think is entirely accurate is like it kind of gets um, it gets lumped in as a as a hard rock album, and I guess maybe it is, but it doesn't sound very maybe hard Maybe for me. the time. Right, yeah, for I the guess, time. It yeah. just sounds like fucking classic rock to me. It's total right. classic and rock. And everybody man. in this room uh, knows my feelings on classic rock. Um, love? Love. Yeah, love, love. Yeah, I've, I'm probably the there biggest. There are exactly three songs on this that I'm, uh, hey, I'm you know pretty what? favorable about. I was, really, I was really impressed. There was great riffs in Running Back and Romeo and the Lonely Girl. Like Those songs were the two that kind of sounded different and they yeah. had like really interesting I literally riffs. texted a friend of mine when I was just about through Running Back and just said, this Thin Lizzy record is so freaking boring. <laughs> oh, I didn't say I actually, loved it. I said that those were the two songs that kind of broke the the well the template. Just one, so setting a little bit of the, setting the stage for this album, they had put two two records out back to back before this one that that apparently didn't sell particularly well, and the label that they were on pretty much said this. Yeah, this they're is about your, to bounce them. They're about to bounce well, them. Wait, and can I just point this out real quick? Like for some unknown reason, off to the left hand side, it doesn't have a picture of the Thin Lizzy record. It has a picture of Country Legends, Sons of the Pioneers, and there's a bunch of old. That's oh, space. Mark was yeah, listening to it before. I just, I just didn't. I didn't, didn't understand know, the because there is there is yeah. a cowboy song in this record, and I thought maybe. Well, no, somehow. there's a lot of like uh, American South imagery. Well, uh, in this band, and they're from fucking, well. Like well, Dublin and what yeah, Belfast? Yeah, but that doesn't really matter. You see that a lot, and and I mean, you know, like even in the in the Beatles and stuff. It's just there's incongruous. So okay, so let's let's make it more. Wait, congruous. wait, it's an, so it's in, you're saying that because I mean, America is like the dominant media mar- or media producer in the world, and has been for a long time. Well, I get it. That no, they were definitely playing to try to 
capture no, that it's market. because they were absorbing all that stuff also like so they're watching all that TV there Kevin has a point I think that some I think certainly think that some of that is no doubt true like they were aware of the size of the American market but I think that there are other things at play one of them is they're about to get punted from their label and in order to um, tighten this record up they brought in a producer that they had worked with a lot in studio and I guess knew the work and then also um, uh, Line it didn't let anybody else write their own stuff. Was it Phil Line it? Yeah, Phil Line it, the the so singer, bass player. Yeah, really the the front man for um for Thin Lizzy. And so, yeah, he uh, there are no tracks. He writes some of these tracks solo, but they're also he also collaborates with the band. And so the the other guys were um were saying that I guess typically they got a chance to freelance a little bit more. You know, probably a lot like a lot of the rock albums of the day where the lead guitar sort of goes a little haywire and there's, there's less of that. Um, but a lot of that sort of twin guitar, uh, tracking that, that became sort of their signature. Well, and that's, they're kind of known for like the, the twin guitar attack, like two leads rather than just right. a, a lead and rhythm. It sounds like the Allman brothers to me, but I mean, that was going on at the same time. Hey, should we listen to a song? Yeah, but before, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, um, let's go with the title track first. I mean, are you talking a, about where the karaoke play, happened? It was well, there was karaoke, there was a country bar, there was like a dance club and something else and then right in, in the like main room. I mean, it was a place place that probably accommodated like at least a thousand people, but it right. was like five different bars in one. So I'm hanging out there on a Wednesday once and there's probably like 100 people watching whatever loud like southern rock band is playing and I, I didn't know what was going on. They didn't charge me cover to get in. I was just there after work. And I asked the bartender, like, hey, who's this band? He goes, Molly Hatchet. It was like a <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like the Molly Hatchet? Yeah. Yeah, yep, that Molly Hatchet. And they were like in their 50s. Um, That's sort of like when we lived at an apartment complex that Nathan and I lived in, like our second apartment complex when we moved here. There was like a hard rock club right in front of our apartment. It's called Sneakers. And, um, and I remember like, that place. Yeah, and then one day, uh, Quiet Riot played, and so we like we had like lots of guffaws. This is like way after their high point, point. Um, and like I was gone, and Nathan said that like 
He's like, yeah, <laughs> like they must they must look back on the days fondly when they used to like get out of limousines and be in clubs because I like I was walking to get the mail and I saw them like exiting the club and like an old Honda drove up and like all four of them got in a Honda like sh- like three of them sharing the back seat like rock and roll clowns. Yeah, was that when uh, Kevin DeBro was still alive? I this is in like nineteen ninety. Yeah, he was dead. They just wheeled him in there like some sort of weekend at Bernie's situation. Uh, my point is though, like I, like this record. Uh, just brought me back to like Molly Hatchet and Leonard Skinner and stuff, but like kind of Irish. Uh, you know, I will say this about um, okay. So we just listened to Jailbreak, right? Like, I don't have any use for that kind of song, but it's not a bad song. It's not a terrible song. No, but it's not. It's not my thing. I don't. Well, and he's got a kind of. He's got a cool voice. I think he's. That's what he sets does. him apart. I think the production on this record doesn't do him any favors. It, no, I agree with that. You know what his voice reminds me of? What? Brett Daniel. Oh, that's interesting. Are you serious? I did yeah. not see that at I all. I did not see that. I was I was the kind of thought he sounded like a, a less soulful I, Jimi Hendrix. I will say that I didn't know he was black for years and years. Well, um, there, and there's, you listen to the music. Um, again, didn't notice he was black. Like, uh, I, I don't, I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why. I didn't know he was black for years. Yeah. Um, anyhow, I, I do think the production... Um, like really doesn't serve the the songs that well. Um, it's really thin. Yeah, um, it's just really there's flat. There's not a lot of bass in it. Yeah, it's really flat. That's true too. But you know, I mean, I do I will say this. Like even like all three of those hits, right? The you know, this one, the boys are back in town and in in cowboy song or whatever. All the songs that we always that we all know. I mean, like Again, I have no use for them personally. I fucking hate that shit. But I mean, just look at it objectively, and I think that the songs are pretty well written, the, musically. I agree with you. Um, poorly I, produced. There is one kind of like yacht. You just had to like throw that in there. Just there is there's <laughs> like a one kind of like yacht rock song. It's uh, "Fight or Fall." Um, I don't remember that one. I think the record gets better. Uh, like it bucks the trend that you put the best songs at the beginning of the record and. Um, like I'm all about the boys are back in town and cowboy song and fight or fall is like the one like kind of yacht rock AM gold song that they stuck in there just to see if something would stick. I definitely didn't notice that. I, I listened, I, you know, but then you, but then you close out the record with Emerald, the, and the warriors came down from the mountain or whatever, how it was. I, I forget the music. Well, the, the, it, the point has been made that, that originally this record was set to have a little bit of a different narrative than the one that, that ended up uh, emerging. Originally, it was kind of, it was written, a lot of it was written as um, sort of Vietnam protest type stuff. Uh, that sounds like it would be more interesting. Well, you know, ultimately, like, you take, like, tracks like um, Boys Are Back in Town. That originally was about people coming, guys coming home from Vietnam and then going on a bender. But he, but uh, Line It changed it. And ultimately decided to make it about a bunch of friends and a night out in the town, which is why Coming now back it's in, in town and getting in bar fights. Well, some of that, yeah, yeah. I mean, God, I, I can only imagine like how when that when this record was like, like really famous, like how many fucking dudes in small towns like getting together to go out, like put in the eight track with that song, like ready to go. I mean, as much as you can do that, I guess, with an A-track and just, like, cruising around, like, in their fucking no, T-tops. It, it just put me in the head of, like, uh, Mr. Saturday Night Special. Um, like, just that kind of uh, genre. Um, but they're from Ireland. Like, 
Yeah. I don't know what to tell I you. mean, that's been established. They're for, they're definitely still from Ireland. I think um you know, I I think I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I it didn't grate on me the way that it grates on you guys, but um I think that for, you know, probably at least a little bit of the reason for that from my perspective is that um that as as uh omnipresent as the singles off of this record are it's like i still don't feel like i hear them that often like they don't grade on like you know even if it's not necessarily my sweet it's spot not as it's bad like, it, yeah uh, it doesn't grade on me it's just not you know well not i my think shit. i actually love the boys are back in town and Cow- cowboy song i think is like cowboy song is the better genius is level the, is the of better of the three songs and the in the 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 chorus is really good. Why don't we listen to one of those? Yeah, well, let's let's uh, let's. Uh, this is te- we're in Texas. Let's uh, get out our lariats and uh, listen to a cowboy song. I mean, it is a little bit, at least a little bit interesting that um, that Linet sings and writes so much about, from a like American Southern perspective as a guy yeah. who's where he's from, um, as a band. A biracial Irishman sings about the American South. Western movies were like the biggest thing in the world forever. And people watched, I mean, they were like completely influenced by American media. I'm not media. saying he's wrong. It was just... It, it's, why is that weird? Like we, it's just uh, interesting. I mean, it's just noteworthy. Like it's uh, a yeah. forensics, whatever. But um, it also strikes me. It also just strikes me funny that, um, and I know it's like a it's a rhyming mechanism, but he uses the word female a lot. It's st- like specifically like to reference women, and the way that he enunciates on this uh, song, like the first time that or the, when we were just listening to it now, it sounded like. Instead of saying like a certain female, it's uh, I thought he said um, send an email, and I was like that ca- that can't probably, be right. probably did not say send that. an email in 1976. <laughs> he was really ahead of his time. <laughs> I find it interesting is like ubiquitous as I think the boys are back in town and jailbreak have been in in my life over the years that that this album only went gold and it was by far their highest charting record in the states. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, and it's exactly the sweet spot of like what was selling at the time right um which actually i i was thinking about this as i was listening to it this week um it took this is their sixth record and like yeah they were about to get booted off but like this is back in the day when they would let artists like develop and they sold they put out a lot of records that didn't do shit and kind of developed and then finally had something that you know they could sell but that doesn't happen these days yeah, well, you can fly under the radar, though. Like, it's not, 
as important, you know, to be on a major, <coughs> excuse me, to be on a major label as much as it was back then. But well, I mean, distribution was, was a big deal back then. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of distri- uh, distribute yourself these days. You guys talked a little bit about, um, well, I mean, indirectly, we've talked about sequencing with this record. Like, I do think it's interesting. I mean, like the three, the th- you know, the three singles, or at least the three songs that have kind of risen to the top over time in terms of just being the ones that people know or the ones that get the most airplay or whatever, um, are sort of spread throughout the record. I don't know. You guys may be colored by the fact that you just don't sort of love the work as a whole, but like, do do you, what? What's your take on how it's sequenced? I always think that that kind of like, you know, the mixtape angle of of the way that these are put together is always interesting to me. Um, yeah, like weirdly, it it seemed to get stronger, like uh, oh, on, right. on the back end of the record. Um, I don't know necessarily think that that was on purpose. Um, I mean, the record's called Jailbreak. The first song on it is Jailbreak. Um, it wasn't the first single that was released. Boys Back in Town uh, was the first uh, song that was released as a single. But um, I definitely thought that the back half of the record was much stronger than the first. Well, and let's just say, too, also um, with Boys Are Back in Town, that's another situation where it's not as much of a PSA, but there is like just a general, you know, there's a general directive. Hey, uh, spread the word around. Let everybody know that, the, you know, the boys are here. I thought that'd it would be a shorter song. Would it? The, yeah, spread, the, spread the word around. Spread the boys are here. The boys are here. Oh, they're the boys. Uh, I I thought it was that might go go off uh, really well on Fire Island. <laughs> Maybe. All right, Maybe. and on that, should we do intermission? Let's do intermission. Who's got the break? Me do. Okay. So I can count on at least, well, I'd say one hand, but maybe two. Um, songs that I remember exactly where I was the first time I heard them. And uh, Jesus Christ Pose by Soundgarden. My friend Robert. Uh, I have a funny story <coughs> to tell you about Robert. Well, you know me. I'm not a big pot smoker, but I was stoned as hell at his place. Uh, you know, it, this like luxury dorm uh, on West Campus in Austin, and he pulls up this video for uh, Jesus Christ Pose, and I was just like completely blown away. And man, so anyway, let's get into uh, like watching that video and try to put yourself in a you know twenty year old twenty year old totally stoned place, totally stoned guy, a guy who doesn't really smoke weed, um, watching this for the first time, and it was insane.
can't get enough of that song. Like, yeah, it's a good song. Regardless of uh, whether somebody has died or, or whatever. But Ma- man, can I just mention one thing about that video? Go and for I it. mean this in not a disparaging way or anything, but that is some early 90s looking. I mean, you could distill that into just that video. Dude, it it means transpl- nothing. It means nothing one way or the other. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. I mean, it's a cool it video. It just transplanted me back to like that <laughs> moment uh, that's what when I'm I saying. first like, saw it when I was a baked 20-year-old and didn't know shit. And it, it was making me to nostalgic me it was from the mind 90s. mind blowing at the time. Sure, but it, but it is like, but that is the 90s in that video. Like, and I love the 90s, so you know, there's nothing. Kevin, what'd you think? Oh, I like the 90s a lot too. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I was looking, yeah, actually, for your specific thoughts on the decade. No, you know, I, what I find is it's like, it's it's hard for me to separate your your experience and the fact that you were super high. From the from like, so I watched that video, and obviously I'm watching it with um, with you know, modern day eyes, and wow. so so to Shane's point, yeah, totally. Uh, it it looks like a product. It of looks the age like in which it was created. Yeah, um, and it's like you that you shit see just got the, burned in my brain being that baked and seeing that for the first time in like 1992. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, and then I, the other thing is like, given the events of the past, whatever week and a half, like it's, it, it it's hard not to, to watch, um, Chris Cornell and just sort of think about like, just like, the way that Soundgarden came together and kind of what their, their footprint was and, um, and yeah, like you know, I just I think it's it's interesting. They're a band that you wouldn't necessarily would would have affected as many people as they did, but it seems like there's a lot of they that They had a very singular yeah. sound. And right they were place, able right to, time, too. Sure. Right place, right time, and a singular sound, and that they were able to, like, extract uh, the use of tension better than virtually any band that I've oh, ever Oh, everybody heard. that was in that band was there. They were fucking virtuosic as a musician. I mean, Matt Cameron, that, those fucking oh, they're drums. they're fantastic, like, but it, it sounds like they're, like, about to explode. Well, a like, lot of, to your yeah, like there's a lot of that. I think with um, with bands that use tension, like there's a lot of that that plays campy, and with Soundgarden, it didn't ever play campy. Like they didn't necessarily sound like they had a sense of humor either. Uh, oh no! Uh, but, like but there's like, there was a great spin article that uh, I think it was Anne Man- uh, Magnuson uh, wrote. She used to be in a band called Bongwater. Uh, great band name. Yeah, yeah. It was no, it was a good band name, but. Uh, she just wrote in the article that she was just kind of pissed off uh, while interviewing them and that the drummer and bass player are really nice and she wishes uh, she could just do the rest of the interview with them. Well, I thought it was funny. Okay, here's 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 one thing. That I wanted to bring that up. Okay, so you have... By the way, this is the last era of bands for me where I could name every... I know every the names of every member in this band. But if you have, like... You, know, you have the Kirk... Uh, um, yeah, I'm not Kurt. Jesus Christ, I'm just all so in Chris Seattle. Cors- Chris Cornell, Cornell Kim, Kim Thale, Thale uh, Ben Shepard, and, and Matt ben Cameron. Yeah. yeah, and so, but it, but 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 Ben Shepard and Matt Cameron always sort of looked like they were just the nice boys that worked in a tech company. And then you had like the rock guys and Kim yeah, Thale and like Chris the, Cornell. Yeah, like the other side. And those are the two that were kind of dicks to her, at least in the interview. And she just like totally brought it up. Um, and I'm not here to disparage the dead. Like I love Chris Cornell's work. Also. Um, you know, I'm not really much of a metal guy. Um, Soundgarden is like where me and metal meet. It's not metal, but it's. I well, mean, I mean, they they were intentionally like were like I, I 
heard an interview with Chris Cornell where he was talking about um, they worried about like kind of the rules of metal versus like you know regular rock or whatever. Like they they were conscious of it. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah, it's right where you know alt rock meets. Metal. I was just thinking about that the other day because I was thinking about how friends of mine in high school they would in a million years never ever ever listen to like. Metallica or Slayer Pantera or anything, or some but shit. but they love would love the shit out of like Ministry, and that's like also I, rock, I'm also yeah that, that's, that's, it, it walks I'm right up to the head yeah right to the where like metal meets everything else yeah I think you you could definitely say that about this song and especially the they they did get not pop writers necessarily I'm excluding Black Hole Sun from that but they did they did get more. Pop, pop writer songy later. Like, more so- songs with, like, m- m- more melody in them well, later. You know, SNL played um, uh, an episode, like, they do, like, a, a 9 to 10 episode before, like, their actual live episode um, these days. And it, they did it because Chris Cornell was no longer with us. Um, but they did Burden in My Hand. And that's mm-hmm. a pop song. Yeah. It it's is. a really good pop song. It's fucking great. I hadn't heard that song in a long time, and I heard it. I was like, "Oh god damn, yeah, that's a good." I had some, but great it's not songs. metal at all. No, it gets it, they get poppier as they, but but still like like hard and drop, you know, like. But those guys just wrote hooks, regardless of whatever like idiom they were trying to write for. They just wrote really good, strong pop hooks, which is cool. I'm down. Yeah. All right. All you right. Want to get back all in? All right. R.I.P. Chris Cornell. Yes. A little bit of interesting historical perspective we die, as we dive back into uh, Thin Lizzy. We're talking about their seminal record, Jailbreak. Um, just a just a couple of, of quick facts. I feel like, well, of course, um, uh, whatever. Van Morrison was uh, from Belfast, right? Yeah. So, so we talk. We have talked a little bit tonight about the fact that uh, that um, Phil Lynott, the de facto leader of the band uh, that apparently anyway apparently it was a big deal at the time that like not only were they was the band biracial that yeah they had a he himself was biracial yes Um, but but and this I thought was also kind of interesting they had um, they also had members from both sides of the Irish border so both Ireland proper and Northern Ireland like in, Belfast and Dublin, I including including Catholic and uh, Protestants during the Troubles, which is so they like bomb each other. Well, I don't know if they bombed each, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like some of the records bombed, but a lot of the records bombed. This one doesn't did not. No, this one did not. But anyway, apparently they did really well in Ireland, like with all their records, and so maybe that's why the the record label stuck with them. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, anyway, it says says in there in the Wikipedia entry that um, their wide range of influences includes blues, soul music, psychedelic rock, and traditional Irish folk music, but is generally classified as hard rock or sometimes heavy metal. And we talked about my take on that. But anyway, um, yeah, these days the current lineup of Thin Lizzy restrict themselves to playing live and not recording new material as Thin Lizzy new material. Uh, from current members is released under the name Black Star Writers. So if you're just wondering what a bunch of 50-year-old guys that used to be... Uh, Older than 50. Probably well, and in this case, like, 
they're not all original members. So, you know, there are three or four guys who play in that act who never really played when the band was recording <laughs> during their heyday. But anyway, um, yeah, so they still they still play out. Maybe they'll open for Molly Hatchet. I would love. I, I, I would, would probably would, pay money I would to go see to that. see that. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't pay a lot of money to go see it. <laughs> I'd pay twenty bucks. I don't know about a lot. I'd of pay money. five. I'll pay seven. Twenty bucks seems a little Team. excessive. Well, I already saw Molly Hatchet for free on a Wednesday <laughs> night in Indiana. <laughs> hey, I thought it. Uh, uh, you were reading about is it Phil Lynott? Uh, yeah. So he was into punk music, and apparently, whenever. John Lydon left the Sex Pistols. He and members of Thin Lizzy, aka Johnny Rotten, yes, aka Johnny Rotten, Steve Cook, are um, oh goddamn it, what's the Steve Jones? Steve Jones and Phil Cook, who is the drummer, uh, or Paul Cook, sorry, played in a played in a band. They've all played in a band together, like a like a like a supergroup, as it were, of the Sex Pistols combined with Thin Lizzy. So I I found that to be. A little also, is it is it weird to any of you guys that there's also Bob Geldof pops up in this story too? Well, like, yeah, that's that appears that everywhere. So apparently, I know, no shit, right? It's like the Forrest Gump of like being kind of <laughs> <laughs> nearly good in things. <laughs> oh, Bob Geldof. <laughs> Do they know it's Christmas after all? Yeah. Um, but I don't apparently, like Mondays yeah, he either. Was, this guy, like Phil Lynott, was friends with like members of the Sex Pistols, the Damned, the Boomtown Rats, like. Was in a played in a band with the Sex Pistols, uh, two of the surviving well, and members. At some point, and I don't remember exactly who it was that was in this band, but was also in a band called Elmer Fudd. That's a damn good band name. That's uh, all I. That's all I can tell you I about that. I don't know. That. I just know I'm hunting wabbits. <laughs> Should be that. That's the title of their first. Of Elmer <laughs> Fudd's first, first album. Yeah. <laughs> Elmer Fudd presents I'm hunting wabbits. Uh, anyhow. Uh, you guys want to get into another song? Yeah, we can do one. So, okay, so here's the challenge with this record. Like, there are there are there are three tracks that everybody knows. Um, is there one that's not one that's that's not the remaining one that we haven't played that you guys are? Well, I told you I like the, I like the rock the the yacht rock song, fight or fall, fight or fall. All right, yeah, do you want to run it? It's the AM Gold of this record. All right, you want it? Let's hear what Thin Lizzy's uh, AM Gold take sounds like. Shag carpet, some uh, Southern California sunshine. Absolutely, it could have been down. The 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 the, the, the intro to it reminded me. It could have been like a love theme and like a black exploitation movie from 1976. Yeah, we'll go with that. 
By the way, is it, it it's at least moderately fascinating to me that that they this band didn't tour the US until 1975. So, the year before this, this record came this record, out. Yeah. Was the first came out, and listen to this triple bill. They uh they toured in support of Bob Seger and Bachman Turner Overdrive. Man, that is some like <laughs> seventies classic yet. rock shit. <laughs> yeah. No shit, right? <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet, man. Like so you see check out BTO, this. Bob Seger and Thin Lizzy. Oh, I thought it was interesting that uh that the character was taken from like a musical and the name of the character was Tin Lizzy and they added the H so it, it would be pronounced in the dialect as Tin Lizzy. Exactly the same as it's spelled. Yeah, but I age. guess, you know, like in their like local dialect, you could somewhere the H is there. But yeah, it was. You know what used to hung, hang out with a bunch of like Irish people was. Uh, and they dropped the H. Like they do. Like, yeah. Like you, you guys know the classic story. Like I asked for half and half. You give me two turds and a turd. Yeah. Yeah. It's the old the old bar joke that Ryan can't resist. Uh, I telling. can't get over it. No, you can't that get is, over that it. That is. Super fun all they, the time. They also toured in support of Aerosmith, Rush, and Ario Speedwagon. So it's again, like, it's like <laughs> classic rock royalty. All that shit sounds about. Hey man, you got some classic rock? Turn it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of that. Um, what was that interesting noise? Uh, that was. I am apparently getting a, a text from. Somebody. Oh, it sounded it's like super interesting. Like you, you were just turning on your robot. Anyway, you know, I think I think one of the things that that is is at least a little bit of a cautionary tale about this record is like they so they they pulled together line it wrote or co-wrote all the songs they brought in a producer that specifically really stripped down the sound of the band for this album and so it wasn't as kind of free flowing and and exploratory on the guitar side as maybe what they had I done bet previously I they were badass live I bet at, they were fun live point. Um, yeah this record sounds flat yeah, it's not a good sounding record. By the way, uh, for whatever it's worth, I did catch a. There's a. I guess um, the Foo Fighters covered Jailbreak on a show. I don't know when, but I just caught. I caught the video and I was like, oh, I'm kind of not surprised that they would that cover it. was probably it. better. But it, well, it was good. And I'm not a it giant Foo Fighters I'm not fan either, other than the first record. Yeah. Uh, but I. I do like, uh, you know, what's his nuts? Uh, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. AKA all, what's all your nuts. rock stars need to wear name tags. Um, anyway, but yeah, by the, by the time that, just got that. It, so yeah, so it's a little bit of a, it's a, it's a little bit of a cautionary tale because, <clears throat> you know, their backs were against the wall. They put together this record in a way that was different than what they had been doing. It was clearly successful on both sides of the, uh, Pond, uh, as it were, Atlantic, yeah, and and then you know, um, at some point, uh, Lynott started getting into heroin, and they uh, yeah, apparently yeah. the last few years of his life were not pretty. No, it doesn't uh, sound like they died weren't. in 1986 at the age of 36. Yeah, man, that's nuts. So that means he was 26 uh, when this came out, and they had already put out prior five prior records. Yeah, on a fairly major label. Uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, don't so do heroin. No, generally. I think it's the, the moral of the story. I think that's the moral to a lot of stories. Yeah, anyway. Um, 
so so this was you know this part of the reason that i chose this album aside from the you know what we talked about earlier was just that it was you know it was kind of they it was a breakout and it was like kind of also their peak and so you know it was like they reached the top only to kind of recede into you know not necessarily uh nothingness but certainly like they they were never is they were never going to be as successful as this again well i think it's you know it's a kind of a classic case of getting bigger later i mean if this album only went gold those songs those three singles that we all know that were completely ubiquitous when we were growing up and listening to classic rock stations you know it's like it feels like they got bigger as time went on and, and somehow aqua uh, of Barbie Girl fame sold thirty million records. <laughs> that is a Dude, that is some that fucking is crazy. Yeah, song. but the, but the thing is, is you can't give uh, Jailbreak as a white elephant present. So that is true. Somebody would just that. get it and go. Thanks, let's go. I want to. Let's thanks, go. Get, kinda. I wish I had my old like <laughs> Trans Am with the T tops. So we could cruise around the dam tonight. But yeah. Okay. Well, that was good. That was good. It wasn't bad. Anyway, yeah, we, so we that's, that's, that's certainly that's worse things that we've listened to. Uh, there are certainly worse things we've listened to. And I'll, you know, of my own volition, I'll go listen to Cowboy Song again. It's fine. If it comes on, I won't probably change the well, channel. And I'll just even turn it up. If it comes on like Bob FM. Just remember, like, there are, there are helpful tips along the way, things that they want you to know. So just, just pay attention. They just follow the rules of the song. Is that like an Easter egg? Like, you have to, like figure out the little things in the song and no they're just they'll just tell word. you like well you know what i don't understand about the cowboy song though if i can say one thing i get the roll me over part but but how do you roll someone over and then subsequently turn them around like and why like spinning your friends well, yeah that's basically what you're <laughs> like, doing at that point like yeah. i don't know i don't know it just sounds like bad sex oh or it could be know. like a you know, you know pin tail on the so. Yeah. Situation. I don't he, know. he is a cowboy. All right, let's let's do a current affair. And um, tonight we're gonna. <laughs> That's you, right? Yeah, it's me. Yes, we're gonna do Fool's Errand by Fleet Foxes. Turned into a dog, and then, yeah, she, and then she got in, and then she got into the back seat of a Volvo. Man, uh, yeah, it was like sleep-addled Uma Thurman, which is not actually Uma Thurman, but sleep-addled Uma Thurman. Uh, interpretive dancing on interpretive the interpretive dancing. Through, I enjoyed that about as much as I enjoy slam poetry. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Years ago, I saw a 
traveling Japanese dance troupe called uh, Say Shun- No More Shankai <laughs> Shankai Juku, and they did a lot of really severe movements that looked like they maybe needed to go to the hospital. I think there's a lot of that going on in this video, except on the beach by a lady in a cloak. Hey man, like you know, swing for the fences. Sometimes you're gonna hit a foul ball. <laughs> yeah. I think they, I think they may have hit a foul ball. I'm pretty sure that the like the singer from the band or people in the band directed that video. Well, they had like a whole credits page at the end of it, and I'm like, I don't, you know, you might want to just do Alan Smithy uh, on this one. I, I don't know, I mean, man. It's fine. I, the the other thing that struck me is that like I was like, I could totally see how, uh, uh, that. The fella behind Father John Misty would have been in this band, like. Well, he did drum for that band, and yeah, he, yeah, like Father John Misty, aka, AKA uh, Josh Tillman, yes. Josh Tillman, Jay Tillman, yes. Any of his monikers. Yeah, you know what? Uh, th- that band is really hit or miss. When they're hit, they're hit. When they're this miss, this one is a swing and a miss. This is a swing and a miss, song wise. Yeah, like if you're gonna do a video, I, well, I wonder if I had heard the song without. The video. Well, I was thinking the same I'd, thing. I'd Maybe I'd like it more. Uh, I think if you're gonna do differently, if you're gonna do a video that far out. By the way, that's a single. That's that's their single. Oh man, that's a that's a bad sign for the rest of the record. I know, but you know, sometimes you get too close to the song, like you just don't know. But I'm thinking, like, if you're gonna do a video that wacky, then it'd be funny. It'd be have better, a better if it have was a better wacky. song. Like, I think they were trying to be serious. No, I know they were trying to be serious. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying wacky, not wacky, like, haha. I'm just saying from my point of view, like, if you're going to do a video that far out there with, like, interpretive dancing, which is, and they're also, like, people mounting, like, marching through the mountains and stuff doing dancing. Uh, there's a little bit of, like, kind of the Handmaid's Tale type stuff yeah, going on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you should have a better song if you're going to do a video something that, that ambitious, like have something to back it up. Yeah, I agree. You know, the first single that they put out, pretty re- getting ready for this record, is much better. Um, sounds a lot more. It's just, it's a better song, but it's also like nine minutes long. So I wasn't gonna play you that guys that video, but who knows after that? I, I certainly don't. I hadn't heard the song yet. I mean, it's. Artie, but not all art is good. Yeah, no, I was I was underwhelmed by the by the song and c- confused by the video. <laughs> Put that on a book sleeve. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the blurb. Yeah, <laughs> that goes on the record. <laughs> Other than that, it was great. <laughs> all right, well, uh, who's got next week, fellas? Next week, I got next week. All right, this is. Um, this is an artist that I've been wanting to do for a while, and, and it was a toss-up for me because the stuff that, well, whatever, we can talk about that later, but we're going to do um, Lady in Satin by Billie Holiday. We're going to go back to the 50s again. So, I mean, I feel like like she's too important. Lady Day. Artist. Lady Day tonight. I hear Billie Holiday, uh, like, I hear he's pretty good. I've heard the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'll be ha- I'll be happy to finally get to listen to her. Save save your best uh, yucks for next week, Ryan. All yuck, right. yuck, yuck. All right. Well, let's get out of here, boys. In the meantime, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It.